How many of you have ever had a dream? If you haven't, then you're probably not human. And uh, all of us dream. Some people have big dreams. Some people have small dreams. Some people just dream at night. Some people dream in the day. Some people dream when they're watching the TV. Some people dream when they're at work. And uh, last week I had some work colleagues, and I don't have them this week, and they couldn't come this week. So I can tell you, I sometimes dream when I'm at work. And uh, but everybody of us have dreams. And uh, kids dream the most. And uh, today in Kids Church, they're going to be talking about dreams. And I remember when I was a kid, my dream of being a professional soccer player was played out in my backyard as I kicked a ball around by myself for about two hours, thinking I was the England captain and we were winning the World Cup. You see, that's a dream because England are never going to win the World Cup again, I'll tell you. And uh, But then my dream of being a soldier was played out with a friend, my friends in our neighborhood. And we used to go around terrorizing the neighborhood in our army get-up and uh, pretending with our, our little guns. We'd go to the woods and anybody who came, we would shoot them and we would, we would like ambush them. We thought they were Germans. And if you're German, I apologize. It's just back in the 80s, there was still that, you know, tension. And I even had a dream for like two months that I was going to become an NFL star. And my dad had been preaching in, uh, in, uh, in Texas. And uh, if, if you don't know, I grew up in England. So I was back in England and uh, I was probably about eight at the time. And He had been preaching in Dallas, and he came back with, unfortunately, I hate to say it, he came back with a cowboy shirt for me. And uh, so don't kill me. It wasn't a jet shirt, so don't kill me. But uh, but I had this, so my first ever like NFL jersey was a, was a Cowboys jersey, and uh, and I had this vivid imagination. And uh, I didn't have an American football because they didn't sell them over there, so I had a rugby ball. So I pretend like this. I would, like this rugby ball was this this uh, American football ball, and uh, and I didn't have any shoulder pads. And my my brother was a baby at the time, so I used to get his diapers and I used to just stuff my stuff my my. Uh, my shirts, pretend they were shoulder pads. I'm like, it brings a whole new definition to pads. You know, I'm like telling here. And, uh, but, uh, but that was one of my crazy dreams. And I dreamed that I was going to win the Super Bowl. And, uh, and actually, I think Dallas did win a few Super Bowls around that time. But I can safely say I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan. So before you all leave and hate me and everything. But, you know, as I've grown older, my dreams have changed. And, uh, and, and dreams as a boy were very different to my dreams as a man. But yet the one thing about dreams I've discovered has said that stayed the same. And the sad thing is, is that every dream that I've ever dreamt is not real. Dreams are not real. A dream is a hope for the future. And often dream, the dreams that we have are unrealistic. Unrealistic dreams my dream of being a professional soccer player was never going to happen, trust me. And I'm too much of a wuss to be a soldier, and uh, I speak the wrong language to be an NFL star. So, uh, so it was, unless I was a kicker. And, uh, and, and, but dreams can be unrealistic. But imagine for a moment, imagine if those dreams could become a reality. Imagine if that family that is broken up could come back together. Imagine if that financial strain that is weighing you down could be lifted. Imagine if that sickness that has consumed your life for years could clear up. Imagine if that depression that consumes you 
will one day disappear. Imagine if that child or that spouse who has drifted from God will come back to God. Imagine if that mother could overcome her lack of self-esteem. Imagine if your dreams could one day become a reality. The problem for most of us is that our dreams die because realistically we don't think that they will happen. However, there is one dream that affects your life and affects my life that lives and will never die. And this is a dream for your life. And if this dream lives, it has the potential to cause your dreams to live once again. And this is the dream of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says, because I live, you live also. And because my dream lives, then your dream can live also. So this morning we're going to look at, and during this series, and it's a four-part series, we're going to look about what the dream of Jesus Christ is. What is God's dream for your life and for my life? What is God's ultimate dream? And the first thing is, we find, if you have your Bibles, in, uh, in the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, it says this, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. This, uh, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority, so that you can live a peaceful and quiet lives, marked by godliness and dignity. And then this is the dream of God. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and everyone to understand the truth. Then if you want to flick over a few pages to your right in your Bible, to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9. This is the dream of Jesus Christ. It says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. If God has promised you something and it hasn't happened, it's not that God is being slow. As some people think. He says, no, he has been patient for your sake. And then this is the dream. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. We see that the dream of Jesus is that nobody should be destroyed and everyone shall be saved. You see, the Bible tells us that everyone is on a collision course with death and destruction because of sin in our lives. But Jesus came to this earth in order to save those people who are on that collision course with death and destruction. And then not only that, he wants you to repent of any sins that are in your life. And through that repentance, understand the truth of who he really is. You know, Jesus came into this world for one purpose. And that was to bring people back to God. And in the book of Romans, we see that this dream has a name. And it's kind of a kind of a long churchy name, and I'm going to explain what it is. But it's called the ministry, in Romans you can read it, the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus has the ministry of reconciliation. Basically, to reconcile means to bring back together something that has been separated. And in the case of Jesus, Jesus brought, came as the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile man and God. You see, man and God have been separated because of sin. And so, man, one time, man and God were just like, 
hanging out with each other, you know. I mean, they were close. Then suddenly Adam and Eve, they, 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 they committed sin. And suddenly man ended up over here. And God stayed here. They were separated. And Jesus came into this world to bridge that gap so that they could be reconciled back together. And for Jesus, his dream that no man would be lost is lived and breathed through one avenue. You know, he came to this earth. He died a terrible death. And then he left with him one thing in order to bring that dream back to this world, back to life. And the dream is this. Jesus is dreaming that a world will come back to God through one avenue. And that avenue is the church of Jesus Christ. And here at Generation Church, we've established this new church. And that this new church is all about this. It's all about bringing people back to God. It's all about fulfilling that dream that Jesus had, which is called the ministry of reconciliation. And so for 2,000 years, I believe Jesus has been dreaming of a church. There are some churches that have lived the dream. There are some churches that once lived the dream, but that dream's died in their church. And there's some churches that never lived the dream. And my desire here at Generation Church is that we will live the dream of Jesus Christ. And so I believe he is dreaming of a church where all the right pieces will come together and people will be brought back to God. And so during this series, and we're going to start with part one today, we're going to look at four ways, the four parts of this dream and how we as a church, we can fulfill this dream of God. And if we as a church fulfill this dream, I believe if this dream lives, then the dreams that are in our lives can live as well. You see that Jesus says that if I live, you live also. If my dream lives, your dream will live also. So let's look at part one today. And part one is this. I believe that Jesus is dreaming of a church. And he's saying this. I'm dreaming of a church that is passionate about me. That's the first part, passionate about me. It's kind of pretty simple, but yet it's pretty profound. Have you ever been around someone who's passionate? There's something about their passion that attracts. You know, my wife is a passionate cooker. I kind of like fell on my feet because I meet like people who just don't like to cook. And, uh, and if I had married a girl who didn't like to cook, I would either be like so fat because I'm like full of like, uh, fast food, or I'd be stick thin because I just really can't cook anything. I'm like, I'm serious. I'm really bad. So she has a passion for cooking and I really don't like cooking. I've never had a, a passion for cooking at all. Uh, my mom used to cook. I was like a mommy's boy and uh, she used to, she used to cook. I would never like help or anything like that because I hated it. And so I married this girl and she loves to cook and I'm like, yeah, Praise the Lord. I'm like, this is great. And, uh, and the more I get to know her, the more her passion for cooking comes out. And suddenly, she'll phone me up like at two in the afternoon. What do you want for dinner tonight? I'm like, isn't that great? I'm like, it's pretty good. And you can tell her that I talk good things about her. And, uh, but she'd call me, what, what do you want for dinner tonight? And then I'd get home and she'd be on, like, on the internet looking at recipes. And then she'd be getting books out and she'd be looking at recipes. And then she's got the food network on all the time, which kind of annoys me. But anyway, and at least I get to eat. And, uh, and, but she's so passionate to the point that her passion suddenly starts to attract me. And I'm like, 
well, let me give it a go. Let me give this cooking lark a go. And so I kind of like start getting interested. So I sit down. I start watching the Food Network. And I really got into like the next Food Network star and everything. And I'm like, oh, that was really sad. But hey, I used to watch, I watched it every week. And because of her passion, suddenly I was attracted to cooking. The attraction didn't last very long because as soon as I started, my food wasn't good at all. But anyway... But there's another, there's another young lady in our, in our church, Laura, and Laura has a passion for running. And, uh, and I don't know if any of you have ever even thought about running. Some of you may like it, but the thought of running kind of scares me and I hate it. And uh, I only run if I have to, if I'm running away from something, that's about it. That's all I run from. And, uh, and the thought of running is, is, is just horrible. But Laura has such a passion for running that she'll run a couple of miles. Then she'll run a 5K, she'll run a 10K, she'll run a half marathon, and she's even run a marathon and thinking about running another marathon. And I remember last year she ran the Baltimore Marathon, and we went down to watch, and we saw her come through the finish line, and she looked like she had been through it. I'm telling you, 26 miles, I'm like, I would not want to wish that anyone. But the, the, the joy and the passion that she had when she walked through that, when she ran through that finish line, suddenly I looked at that, and I was like, there's something about that passion. I think I want to run a marathon. Like I said, that lasted about a couple of hours. And then I got back in my car and I'm like, maybe not. But her passion for running suddenly attracts other people to run. You see, passion attracts. And Jesus knows that when there is a church that is passionate about, about God, it is an attractive church And when there is an attractive church, there are people who run to that church. Jesus is dreaming about a church that is passionate about him. And we see in the book of Acts, we see the very first church took place. And this church kind of was the dream church. It was taken, it was taken form. And this church, it was passionate about God. And because it was passionate about God, it was an attractive church. And everybody started to be drawn to this attractive church. And it was through this hope that is the church that suddenly the message of Jesus Christ didn't just spread to Jerusalem, didn't spread to Judea, but it spread throughout the whole Roman Empire. And within about 50 years, the whole Roman Empire knew the message of Jesus Christ and they were drawn to it because this church was passionate because they were living the dream of Jesus Christ, which is a church that is passionate about him. And so we see in this church, and we're going to look very quickly this morning at just three areas that this church uh, expressed their passion through. And through these three areas, we're going to be able to see if we can test if we're passionate about God, we can show if we're passionate about God, and we can prove if we are passionate about God or not. And the first area is this. It's found in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. It says there, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I believe that Jesus is dreaming of a church that is passionate about discovering more about him. He is passionate about a church that is, sorry, he's dreaming of a church that is passionate about discovering more about him. You know, this early church, they devoted themselves to finding more about God. 
It didn't matter if they were well-educated. It didn't matter if they couldn't read or write. It didn't matter if they grew up in the, in, the, in the greatest Jewish schools or if it didn't matter at the age of nine if they went to become a fisherman. Suddenly these people, they grasped hold of a passion for God and this passion led them to finding out more and more and more about God. People who are passionate try to find out everything there is to know about the thing they are passionate about. So my wife Raquel is passionate about cooking. And she tries to find out everything there is to know about cooking. Laura is passionate about running. I bet Laura knows almost everything there is to know about running. How to run, the techniques, how to breathe, what equipment to, 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 to use. Unlike me, who I just like put my sneakers on. Okay, let's go. And like a mile down the road, I'm done. Because she's passionate. And because Raquel's passionate, they find out more and more there is to know about the thing they are passionate about. You know, the relationship that doesn't seek to know more about the the other person is doomed for failure. When I was dating, I dated Raquel for 15 months on a long-distance relationship. I was in England. She was in the United States. And every day, she talked my ear off on the phone. And, uh, And, I mean, it was like... I would talk 20% of the time, she would talk 80% of the time. And uh, it was fine, it was like 6 in the morning, I was like half asleep, my time. But we talked every single day for 15 months. And the whole purpose was about that was, we wanted to find out more and more about each other. We were passionate for each other. And we wanted to find out more and more about each other. And the relationship that doesn't seek to find out more about each other is doomed for failure. You know, people who struggle in school... They may struggle in all these different subjects, in maths, in English, in science. But when they find the subject that they are passionate about, they don't struggle anymore. They kind of come into a new life and they they, they discover and they're passionate about finding out and passionate about studying. And people who are passionate about God want to find out more there is to know about God. And these people had such a passion for God that they devoted themselves to being lifelong learners. They didn't stop once they had a grasp of who Jesus was, but they continued to study, they continued to listen, they continued to watch others, and they continued to learn. And I don't, it doesn't matter if you don't even know God or if you've been a Christian for 50 years, there is still more and more and more to know about God. And people who are passionate about God are people who find out more about God. They discover God. And there are new things to discover every single day about God. And he's dreaming of a church that is passionate about him. And if you're passionate about him, you're passionate about finding out more there is to know about him. But not just that, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop just finding out more about God. But here we see in Acts 42, it says, All the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship and sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. And we'll discuss that in in, in the following weeks, just some of that stuff. But it also says that they devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. Prayer is a funny thing because most people don't like to pray. And I got to a place in my life where I really was praying, but it was kind of just going through the motions of prayer. I really wasn't connecting with God in my prayer. But I've discovered that prayer isn't just saying 
a daily prayer unto God. Waking up, saying a prayer unto God. Going to bed, saying a prayer unto God. Prayer isn't just coming together, kneeling down, and talking unto God when you've got needs. Prayer isn't about coming with your little prayer beads and praying unto God. Prayer isn't about putting your hands together, closing your eyes. Prayer isn't even about giving thanks before your meal. What prayer is, it's very simple. Prayer is just communicating with God as you would communicate with anybody else. And the reason we call it prayer is because it's between you and God, not you and anyone else. It distinguishes the communication between you and someone else and you and God. Prayer is just communication between you and God. And I've discovered that a church that doesn't pray doesn't stay a church very long. It becomes an organization that really has no life, has no hope. And imagine that relationship that never communicates. That's one unhealthy, unattractive relationship. What's even worse is those relationships when one person tries to communicate, but one person is just totally checked out. Those are unattractive relationships. And those relationships are doomed for failure unless those people start to communicate. And you see, it's very hard to constantly communicate with someone who you know nothing about. Have you ever been in a room with someone you know nothing about and they're kind of not even letting you in on their life? You know, they give you one word answers. It's very hard to communicate with that person. And for God to communicate with you, it's very hard if you don't know anything about God and you're not letting God into your life. And it's very hard for you to communicate with God if you don't know anything about God. The more you know about God, the easier it is to communicate with God. And God is asking you to just be someone who is passionate about communicating with him. And the first church, they were passionate about prayer. They understood that God's dream would not be fulfilled through them unless they had constant communication with the one who was given the dream. Prayer is so important. And God is desiring and dreaming of a church that is passionate about communicating with him. And the best thing I can say to you, because some of you, you may be like, well, I don't know how to pray. I would say, talk to God as you would talk to your friends. Talk to God as you would talk to your spouse or your parents. Talk to God as you would talk to your kids. Talk to God as you would communicate with anybody else. And it will revolutionize your life. And I know last year, I went through a period where I was like, God, I need to communicate with you. And I started communicating totally different. Before, it was like very structured, very, this is how I pray. And I did not communicate with God how I communicate with other people. But now I've changed and I've started communicating with God how I communicate with other people. And suddenly, this passion for communicating with God has just exuberated from me. And God has not just heard me, but I've heard God communicating with God. So Jesus is dreaming about a church that is passionate about him. And if you're passionate about him, he's dreaming of a church that is passionate about communicating with him. He's passionate about a church that is, is, uh, he's dreaming of a church that is passionate about finding out more about him. And then finally, Jesus is dreaming of a church that is passionate about worshiping him. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 46, 
says there, it says this church, this new church, they worship together at the temple each day. They worship together at the temple each day. And then in verse 47 of, of Acts chapter 2, it says, all the while, while they were meeting together at the temple, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. These people in this very first church, they were passionate about worshipping God. And here at Generation Church, we're passionate to worship God. And that's why kind of our music may be loud and energetic. Because people who are passionate are expressive. When you find someone who has a passion, they're expressive about what they're passionate about. And we here at Generation Church, we are passionate about worshipping God. And the reason for that is because God has done so much in our lives. And out of that worship, we want to express that onto God. So music and song is just one way we show it. But there's another way that we worship God. You know, Friday night, there was a team of volunteers here in this gym. And they were setting up. And we were here for a couple of hours just setting all the stuff up, making sure everything was ready for Sunday morning. And they came together and they were worshipping God through their time and their energy that they were giving on to God. Some people in our church, they have sacrificially given on to God financially out of really they haven't had much and they've given on to God. But they've done it as an act of worship onto God because they're passionate about worshipping God. Others have done it through personal sacrifices. Others have done it through investing their lives into other people. Because here at Generation Church, we are passionate about worshipping God. And we do that through so many different avenues. We do it through music. We do it through song. We do it through giving. We do it through our time and our energy. And we do it through investing in others. You see, worship isn't just about music. It's not just about song. Worship is simple. Worship is just the very act of bringing a gift unto God. And whether that gift is a song, whether it's time, whether it's a sacrifice. Jesus is looking for people who are passionate about bringing gifts in worship unto him. And this early church, this very first church, they were passionate about bringing gifts unto God. In fact, every single day they went together to the temple to worship God and bring gifts unto God. Now, I'm not asking us every day, okay, tomorrow we're going to be back here. But this church, they were so passionate about God that they were passionate about worshiping God. So Jesus, he's not dreaming of a church just because he wants a church. He's not dreaming of a church just because it's all about him. That's not the reason he's dreaming of a church. He's dreaming of a church because he believes that the church of Jesus Christ is the one avenue that has the ability to make his dream live. And he believes that if his dream lives, then your dreams can live also. You see, Jesus is dreaming of a church that is passionate about him because he knows this one truth. He knows that ordinary people like you and me, we come to God when we see other ordinary people passionate about an extraordinary God. And here at Generation Church, we want to be passionate about God because we know when we are passionate about God, other people are drawn towards God. And finally, in John chapter 12, 
and verse 32, it says this. It says, and when I am lifted up from the earth, this is what Jesus is saying, when I'm lifted up from the earth, or when people are passionate about me, when people communicate with me, when people worship me, when people discover more about me, he says this, I will draw everyone to myself. I will draw everyone to myself. And if you want those dreams to live in your life, then let God's dream live in your life. And God's dream is this, the first thing that we're going to be talking about, we we talked about, and that is that you are passionate about God. And when a church decides to be passionate about God, people are drawn to God. His dream lives not just in your life, but his dream lives in your family. His dream lives in your friends. His dream lives in your workplace. His dream lives in your community. His dream lives in your neighborhood. And his dream is this, that no one should perish. Nobody shall be destroyed, but everyone shall be saved. And I ask you today, is Christ's dream a reality in your life. Are you passionate about God? Let's pray.